Wonder Soul. Wonder Soul. Wonder Soul. Welcome everyone to the second episode of the Wonder Soul Book Club. I am joined for this Star Wars special episode uh, by fellow content creator and streamer Deluxe Dylan. Welcome Dylan to the show. What's up man? How are you doing? And would you like to tell everybody what you create and what you do? For sure. Uh, hello everybody. I'm doing good. Thank you so much for having me on the show. My name is uh, Deluxe Dylan. Um, I stream on Twitch as well as I'm just now venturing into the YouTube uh, realm. You can find both uh, under the name Deluxe Dylan. So twitch.tv backslash Deluxe Dylan and then same thing on YouTube. Um, right now, I kind of have a focus on uh, sports content on Twitch. So I play a lot of NCAA football uh, as well as we'll probably explore some some other sports games uh, as well. And then also, uh, as the reason I'm on this show, I'm a big Star Wars fanatic and I also stream star wars related content on fridays and saturdays as well as uh, i'm currently doing a playthrough on youtube uh for the bounty hunter on the star wars the old republic uh mmo so if that's something you enjoy consider uh checking that out and i look forward to seeing you guys very very nice man very cool uh honestly really enjoy all of your content man and I, that's Part of the reason why I'm excited about this episode, man, because like you just said, you're a fan of Star Wars. We've had some discussions through your streams, through some of mine, and uh, so I can definitely say that you are uh, probably a bigger Star Wars fan than me. I've seen some of those Lego sets, man. I've seen some of that <laughs> memorabilia and stuff like that. So um, I, I don't know about you, man. Like I've never really got a chance to sit down and read some of the Star Wars books, and um so uh for the second episode uh it was going to be a monthly series this book club and i hope to get to that but after doing the way of kings it was kind of that was kind of like a fantasy lord of the rings type vibe you know uh -huh. uh, i was like i want to do something science fiction next and i was uh reading dune and i still am and i would like to talk about that with somebody i know loon cow who was on the first book club episode he uh he was reading that and we've kind of gave each other some general you know feedback of what we thought so anyways i don't know man i was really excited to dive into some of the expanded universe uh with star oh, wars sure. man um well, legends now it's not extended universe anymore but i know me and you both still consider it canon yeah yeah i was gonna say man did you want to <laughs> try to explain that to some people who may not know what we're talking about when it comes to yeah for sure this lore and stuff like that yeah, guys, so uh, whenever Disney slash Marvel uh, acquired the rights to Star Wars from uh, George Lucas and LucasArts, they basically retconned. Uh, and for those of you who don't know what retcon means, retcon basically means you go back in the timeline of an established series, uh, in this case, Star Wars, and you basically say all this stuff that used to be canon or like this was fact, and you basically say that doesn't count anymore. We're redoing everything. Um, so it's very common. You'll see a lot of stuff retconned in uh, comic series, you know, Spider-Man, uh, Superman, uh, just how there's like three or four different Spider-Man movie series now. Same thing happened with Star Wars. Disney acquired Star Wars, and they basically said all these books that came out after the original trilogy that were a an extension of uh, what Star Wars became, they were all considered canon. They were fact. Um, but Disney wanted the basically to have the art the artistic liberty to take star wars in whatever direction they want so they just mm -hmm. came through and just axed everything and said nothing's canon anymore um 
but to still acknowledge the fact that that content existed and does exist, uh, they now refer to it as Star Wars Legends uh, to kind of give it that, like, uh, the myths still exist uh, in a sense. But yeah. uh, so there, so nowadays you'll hear stuff uh, referred to as extended universe slash canon, which is everything that Disney has authorized to be canon. Um, and that extends not to just books and movies, but video games, comics, uh, any of that can be considered canon by Disney. And then all of the old stuff that came out before that, that Disney didn't like. And some stuff they did keep as canon, um, but a lot of that is now referred to as Star Wars Legends. Yeah, man. Um, and I've never, I mean, I remember growing up and seeing a lot of the comic book series, uh, some of these books for sure, man. And uh, these books like this one that we're talking about today, uh, Heir to the Empire, um, that came out in the early nineties in a time where star Wars was, you know, just kind of in a weird lull, you know, the prequels wouldn't come out for another about 10 years, uh, about the early two thousands, late nineties. Yeah. Is when, uh, episode one came out. Yeah. The Phantom Menace. And so, you know, star Wars fans were really thirsty for some new star Wars stories and content and sure we would get video games and so much and, now we're just like spoiled with Star Wars stuff since Marvel slash Disney has acquired the rights to it. Um, but this this is an interesting story, man. This is a trilogy uh, of what would uh, originally be the sequels to the original trilogy. This book mm -hmm. specifically takes place five years after Return of the Jedi, which if you're doing your numbers, it's episode six. So before the, the new trilogy that we've just recently got from Disney, this is the original story, at least part of it, as far as how the saga continued, um, you know, after they blow up the second Death Star and Darth Vader's dead and yeah, spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> but, you know, and just what <laughs> happens. 30, 40 years. Yeah, yeah, you just kind of see what happens with some of these characters. And I'll tell you, like, right off the bat, before we get too deep into the, the story itself and some of the characters, and just, like, that's what we're going to do in this episode, everybody. Uh, we're just going to kind of just casually geek out about this and give our opinions and thoughts on what we thought about this book. We both um, uh, we listened to it on Audible as well, so I, mm -hmm. I think we both can agree right off the bat that that's a really enjoyable way to experience this story and to experience this book in general is for sure going on audible.com and checking it out there. That's not a paid ad or sponsorship. It was just, yo, that was, that was really nice. They have some sound effects. They have this whole atmosphere. It feels like a really good, uh, audio drama slash just like the vocal performances. And I just, I couldn't say enough. There's a couple things and we'll talk about that. Uh, me and Dylan will get into that, but yeah, definitely. So, whether you pick this up off of Amazon or at your local bookstore, actually, uh, the copy I've got uh, was actually found at a thrift store. So, and shout out to a couple friends, uh, Nerdo King and Van Ho, who randomly sent me uh, Heir to the Empire and actually the one that comes after it, Dark Force Risings, and they found them at thrift stores. So, look, a couple bucks, pretty cheap, but the story is good. And we're just going to get into that. So, let's just where should we start should we start with um just general reactions like did you like it did you not like it and then we can get into different yeah, sure. okay so dylan what, what did you think of this story this book man um my initial reaction to the story i enjoyed it a lot i thought the story was great it was very very much what you'd expect out of a star wars story uh with the twist and the action 
Um, the caveat to that, I would say, is the story, I feel like, and so Timothy Zahn is the author of these series, if you guys didn't know that. Um, I feel like in this first book, I haven't read the second or third yet, but I feel like the story almost plays it safe. Um, like, there wasn't too many plot twists that I didn't have some type of um, inkling towards. There's a lot of, I feel like there's a little bit too much of the the foreshadowing. Like, they, they try to clue in on too much, hmm. but... That's, I mean, that's just kind of, that's me nitpicking. That's just like kind of one of my only qualms with the actual story of it. Uh, I thought the story was fantastic um, with the direction that they took with Luke and Leia, um, especially with Leia being force sensitive and actually kind of exploring that realm of it, mm-hmm. uh, which is never really explored in the new, I want to call them the new trilogy. I'm, I, I have a feeling after I read these set, these uh, other two books that come after this that I'll be considering in my head canon, this is the actual sequel <laughs> trilogy, but um they barely touch on it in the new movies, um, but it was cool to see uh, her explore that route and actually kind of not just be... I mean, she was never actually a straight-up damsel in distress in the original trilogy, but um, she definitely feels like a character that has impact, if that mm, makes sense. That does make sense. She's Yeah, she plays a bigger role in uh, a lot of the decisions being made by the main characters. She's a political figure that holds a lot of power in, in, in restarting or building yep. this new republic. And she's also, like you said, Force-sensitive, being trained by Luke Skywalker, her brother. And 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 actually, I think she has her own freaking lightsaber, dude. So, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and what I thought was really cool, and I'll let you get right back into it, man, is that, you know, Han, he's he's rooting for that which is kind of cool he wants luke to hurry up and train her in the force and stuff but yeah that's a very good point man continue dude yeah um i'm trying to think and um so we'll get more into it but i think the one area i know they're setting it up for uh the next two books um they introduce a character named uh joris is a sabiath is that how they say it George Sabiath. Oh, the, 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 I guess, man, the, the, the clone, the clone Jedi guy that they found on yes, the planet. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Um, and I know they're, I know I'm assuming that's what's going to have a lot to do with the next couple books, but like they set his character up and then I feel like about like, he feels like such an important piece of the story from, I would say right around the beginning of the book where he's introduced all the way through the middle and then kind of towards the middle of the story. It's just like his character's almost forgotten about. Yeah. Um, and you're just like the whole time I was reading, I was like, okay, what, what is Sabiath doing during all this? What is he doing? What is he doing? And they never kind of really bring him back up, but I'm assuming he's going to play a huge role in the next couple books, um, without having read them. But, um, I thought he was definitely an interesting character. Uh, this is the first time since, uh, let's see, Obi-Wan dies in the original trilogy, obviously, or mm-hmm. passes on to the force. Vader dies. The, uh, emperor is presumed dead. Um, so at that point, as far as the Star Wars fan knows, Luke Skywalker is the last remaining Jedi slash Force user in the galaxy. Right. Uh, so it's cool to see a, another Force user get reintroduced back into the, the Star Wars realm at the, during this time period. Um, I just wish they were been a little bit more done with them in this in, in this particular book, but I do understand the fact that they're setting them up for something bigger. Right. Uh, but the main, I would, I would argue the main character of this whole story is uh, General Grand Admiral Thrawn. Oh, for um, sure, dude. What do you think of him, dude? Um, so obviously I've seen the Clone Wars and the Rebels, um, as well as I've actually before this I've started reading the Thrawn original uh, origin story. Mm-hmm. Um, but he just, I think that they he like 
Timothy Zahn nailed him in this book. I mean, obviously he created the character, so it's hard not to nail the guy that you've created. Mm-hmm. Um, but just from the instant that he's introduced um, into the story, you just get this ice cold feeling anytime that he's involved in a scene or he's talking. Um, and he just like every scene that he's in, the, he carries a presence about like he carries the scene and he carries a presence that you feel that every other character is scared of him in a yeah. sense intimidated um, for sure yeah intimidated that's the, that's the word I would, I would use um and i think he plays i think he set up as such a quintessential villain for the i mean it's not even the sith the empire side obviously um and it's it really explores that that story of like okay both the death stars got blown up but the empire is not defeated like there's still work to be done there is still a formidable enemy for the new Republic to take on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his, just his cunning uh, ability, his ability to outsmart and really think in like an abstract tactical way. Uh, I really, really enjoyed those aspects of the book. Um, kind of in the scene where, um, I mean, I guess we're, we really don't care about spoilers in this podcast or. Uh, yeah. I mean, we'll go ahead and just say that now. Like, if okay. you, guys, you know, like, yeah, if you guys want to stop right here and go read this if you haven't, I think we both would uh, at some point say like, yeah, you should still check it out, especially if you are a fan of Star Wars. But we also want to just kind of get into the the you know the the details of the story and stuff, and we really can't do that without getting into like specific plot details and different things like that. So yeah, so spoiler alert okay. from here on out, it's we're we're just gonna geek out about it. Uh plus this book's been out for almost thirty years. So <laughs> yeah, there you go. We're, we're pretty good here, man. So no, I, I'm glad you brought that up, but go ahead, man. You're good. Um so like the scene where um I don't remember what the actual battle was off the top of my head, but it was him and it was uh Captain uh Pelion. Mm-hmm. And Thrawn was said something along of execute this specific maneuver and his second in command, Captain Pelion um, was like, you know, he, he was second guessing him. He's like, well, that's such an obvious move to do. Like, why would we do that? Um, and so before this scene happened, or during this scene, um, Thrawn's in his own personal command room on the the ship he's in, which is the Chimera. And um, in that room, he has a bunch of art and paintings surrounding him on the wall. Uh, and so through that, he basically tells Paleon. Um, if you understand a race's or species art, you understand how they think and you understand how they'll react to things. Um, and so he basically said that because of, you know, I forget the exact details of it, but it through researching this particular uh, combatants uh, art, he knew that they would react a certain way to this maneuver. Right. And basically just, it was like three um, Corvettes that he absolutely just wiped. And this is kind of right when you first get introduced to him. So it really sets the tone for the rest of the book of how cold calculating, but he's not somebody that you can just pull the, the hood over their eyes and get away with stuff. Like he's gonna find every little detail and exploit that. Mm. Uh, that's just, he's such a menacing, he's a menacing character. Okay. Yeah. Here's what I appreciate about him. He's a menacing character without having to display like brute force through himself, right? Yeah. So like in the original trilogy, Darth Vader and the Emperor both, right? It's like Darth Vader, uh, whenever he is talking with uh, all the captains in that room and one of them speaks out against him, he force chokes him in front of everybody, you know, just a display of raw strength. Like, don't you second guess me, yada, yada, yada. Mm. You know, whereas Thrawn... um, he kind of does the same thing, but without having to use physical force or a display of power, he does it through cunning, 
tactics and wit. Um, and that alone sets the, like, the respect that the rest of his command or that the rest of his ship has for him where they don't second guess him even when they're doing stuff that they think that, well, this is going to get us killed. And it's like, well, if Thrawn says it's going to work, it's going to work. Yeah. Um, and so he's just, it, I feel like a lot of times whenever a, a villain is more so on the, um, the tactical thinking side, um, they're more menacing to me because yeah. it's not somebody that you can just defeat with brute strength. You can't just go in there and punch them in the face and, and, and beat them down. Um, it's somebody that you have to approach with a plan with wit or you have to outwit them. And so mm. that I'm really looking forward to see how I'm looking uh, forward to seeing how that plays out in these next couple of books. But, um, Honestly, like I would put him right up there uh, with Vader and the Emperor as far as like the quintessential Star Wars villain, if that Ooh, makes sense. Yeah, for sure, dude. I mean, like he is like such a really uh, interesting villain because, like you said, man. Like the if you look at like the dialogue in this book as far as like how he speaks to the the different people in the in in like the command, right? Like General uh, uh, Paleon. Like, he doesn't have that anger issue that you even see from someone like Kylo Ren, right? Exactly. You know, you know yeah. so That's what I didn't bring up. Yes. It, it's kind of like instead of him smashing and stuff, you're almost like afraid of him when he says he's disappointed. Like, I'm disappointed in you, Pelion. You know, like he kind of has that, oh shit, what is he going to do? It's probably going to be worse than just like beating somebody up. Uh, you know, or just like losing their temper there, like Vader, like force choking. But I'll tell you what it is, man. Thrawn is literally the evil Sherlock Holmes. You're, oh, that is a good point. Yes. He is like the space galactic em emperor that has like this uh, military expertise in this like brain like a Sherlock Holmes and you know what Peleon is like his uh his psychic uh, uh oh, who is Sherlock's psychic either way you know where he's always kind of like what how did you figure that out you know and he has that kind of that there's that vibe and he's just like well Watson if you would just have studied their art you would have seen that you, you know, know what, yeah you know what scene drives that point home what's that, what's that? uh the, the scene where whenever um, Leia, Han, and Lando are leaving the mining colony mm -hmm. and they're trying to do like the whole switcheroo and like basically um, Leia leaves on, oh, I forget the name of Lando's ship. Um, anyways, so basically <laughs> this mining colony that um, Lon, Luke, Leia, and everybody meet up at, it gets ambushed by the Empire by complete, like uh, complete, um, coincidence right like they mm -hmm. came to steal these mole miners and it just so happened that um luke leia and han were there to talk to lando uh so during this fight they're trying to get leia out of there because up until this point there have been two kidnapping attempts on leia's life mm -hmm. uh yeah, yeah. or not it's on her life like they tried to kidnap her and, she, and, and she's pregnant with twins at the time um which they tell you very early on in the story they know for a fact the the twins are force sensitive oh yeah can uh, we can before i yeah can yeah, we just no, say, like, point. okay, like, Luke Skywalker is a Jedi Master. He's still doing Jedi shit, okay? Han Solo is helping Leia uh, doing the New Republic stuff. You know, He's you, trying to recruit fighters. Yeah, that's and, and then she's pregnant, but she's also, like, so that's where they are at this point. Like, it's only five years after Return of the Jedi, so not a lot 
technically has happened. You know, this no, isn't where Luke. He, sorry, my apologies. No, he like Luke doesn't have a Jedi Academy yet. Like we're not at that point. This is like literally just like what happened. You know, within a couple years after the the second Death Star blowing up, so you know the Empire, though it lost the Emperor and Vader and the, that second Death Star, like Grand Admiral Thrawn and these other villainous type, uh, you know, beings and characters, because like you would throw in Mara Jade as a villain in this book too. Like, so there's like oh, three yeah. new villains that are introduced that all hit in different ways. Like you have like this clone Jedi Master that's like weirdly messed up because he is a clone you know like he's kind of kooky then you got this tactical evil sherlock holmes and then you have like mara jade which is a whole nother story we'll get into later but yeah so that that's where we're at with things but yeah in this story leia is like they're trying to protect her she is pregnant but uh i think it's also just like um well I don't know. I think they would have been going after her anyways because she's like one of those figures within the new Republic. But we have other reasons for, you know, in this story, why people are after her. But yeah, go ahead, man. I just wanted to catch everybody up again with like where the three main characters were at. Yeah. So just a bad trick on that point. Mm -hmm. Um, So early on in the story, uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn uh, finds he's going to find the Emperor's Keep, which is basically where Emperor Palpatine had housed a bunch of secret technology for the Empire to use. Um, and supposedly defending this keep was supposed to be a dark Jedi who uh, ended up being Sabaoth. Well, Sabaoth wasn't actually Sabaoth. He was a clone of Sabaoth who killed the original Sabaoth. Which he is kind of cool, right? This is like 90, oh, 91, and they're mentioning clones, which we get everything we get in the prequels. So I thought it was kind of cool that he's not just some Jedi that made it a past order 66. He's out there. He's like a clone or something yeah. like that. Well, yeah. I think the clone wars are mentioned by name. Oh yeah. 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 I think they um, are. Damn. Yeah. And so how Thrawn, so basically this, the Sabaoth character, he's king of this little realm because this planet's out in the outer rim. It's not on any star maps really. And it's a bunch of tribe. It's not a very developed um, civilization that's on this planet. I mean, they're not like cavemen or anything. But right. um, they're very, they don't, nobody really leaves that planet and Sabaoth rules over it. You know, a very small tribe per se. Well, Thrawn basically entices him saying, you know, you could have all the power you want. And he's like, I have all the power I want right now. Like I control every aspect of this eye or this planet. Um, and so how Grand Admiral Thrawn eventually entices Sabaoth to work for, with him. I wouldn't say for him. I would say with him because yeah. um, he's very combative of Thrawn, even after they join forces is he basically says, Hey, you can train the next generation of Jedi slash Sith or what, what have you. Cause he's not technically a Sith. He's a dark Jedi and there is a difference. Um, and so he basically tells you, Hey, there's Luke Skywalker. And then there's princess Leia, who's also pregnant with twins. All four are force sensitive. So, um, the whole time Sabioth is like salivating over the fact that he wants to get a hold of, um, Leia and these twins that she's pregnant with so that he can raise these dark Jedi, how he wants them and mm-hmm. mold them how he wants them. Um, and so that's why they're trying to kidnap Leia. So at this point in the story, um, they ambushed Lando's uh, mining colony by complete coincidence. All of those characters are there. The, uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn figures out that they are there. And so they're trying to capture them when they leave. And so, uh, they do basically like a switcheroo to where, 
um, and this is just to drive back to your point of how in-depth thinking Grand Admiral Thrawn is, is Leia and uh, Chewie leave on Lando's ship and um, Han and Luke, I believe it was, left on... Or no, Luke left in his X-Wing, but there was Han and somebody else. C-3PO. Oh, C-3PO. Yeah. Yes, they left on um, the, the Falcon. Falcon. And so whenever they're leaving, um, they, they had programmed CP3 or C3PO to sound like Princess Leia. Which so was kind of cringy. It was a little cringy. It was a little cringy. Um, but <laughs> Captain Alion's like, well, Leia's heading this way because we heard the transmission. And then Thrawn just goes into this like, not monologue, but he's like, well, I know for a fact that neither Lando or Han are the type to let each other um drive you know let anybody else drive their ship or pilot their ship so you know lando's on this ship and han's on this ship and i know for a fact that because basically like the 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 two uh ships they meet up and they switch personnel Mm -hmm. and i won't get into like the full depth of it but basically he goes through like this really in-depth abstract um analysis of the situation to where basically it's like it's one of those things where it's like well i know that they know that i know that they know yeah almost 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 too much like there's times where it's like dude this guy like knows everything like there's there's nobody in the room like smarter than him and he's always thinking five steps ahead of you but i'll tell you man why that i i enjoy that and what a really good move on timothy zahn the author to create a type of villain or antagonist like thrawn and and, and mar jade and everybody else is gonna even you could say card is kind of like an anti-hero like he's not he's yep. a smuggler but he's not like a good guy but you know what i'm saying so you you have a lot of the new characters that i actually really enjoyed um but you know you have someone who's more military minded and and think about this, man. What do people say when you ask them, like, well, what do you think about the new Disney movies? Oh, Rogue One. Like, everybody mentions Rogue One. Why? Because it's, like, one of the more battle-centered, war-military-like Star Wars films, which actually gives you Star Wars and gives you that ground-level, uh, you know, strategy and action. You get that you here, what? you know. So this is just a side note, but do you know yeah. what, you know what Rogue One benefits the most from out what? of all of the new Disney movies um, is that going into Rogue One, they knew it was going to be a one movie thing. They knew that they knew exactly what they were trying to accomplish with the story when they started the movie. So this whole movie was about acquiring the plans to the Death Star so that they could blow it up, and so. With that being laid down, there was such a focus. Like it was, a, it was a, such a quintessential Star Wars story that you, it was really kind of hard to mess up. It was, you know, the, the character development was good, and the story there was not anywhere for it to veer off wrong. Whereas mm-hmm. on the, the, I mean, I'm kind of talking abstractly here, not abstract. I don't know what the word is, but the new, <laughs> the new trilogy. There's like you can see it movie to movie. There's no plan. Like they're just winging it. Every director was winging it with yeah. each movie. Yeah. Uh, like certain plot points get brought up, and then they're just never mentioned again. Whereas Rogue One, I think the reason it was so popular and it was so successful is they went into the movie knowing, okay, this movie is about the Rebellion, getting the plans to the Death Star. Let's, let's develop characters around that. And, you know, So, okay, let's come up with Urso. He was the, the engineer that was working, the defector engineer that you know created the, the weak point in the mm-hmm. Death Star. It was just such an easy story that they really couldn't mess it up because it was already established what was going to happen. Yeah. A smaller uh, scope, dude. I mean, this one is, yeah, exactly, it, this, exactly. this one follows that. Like, it, you know, you don't really have a larger threat 
Like really don't think about it. There's like no like I don't really know other than for this because this is a trilogy of books. Mm -hmm. So but there's not this overarching threat other than yeah the Empire is still out there. And Grand Admiral Thrawn, who, you know, he may have been out on the outer rim, outskirts. Now that he's in charge, you hear Paleon or Paleon or Paleon. I'm going to get some of these names wrong throughout. Paleon, yeah. Yeah, throughout the story, say, like, he wondered what it would have, how the Battle of Endor would have turned out if Thrawn was running it. Like, how things would have turned out had his this guy been there. And so you're like, ooh, this dude could, because really the New Republic, which is the Rebels, are they're 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 getting set up still like the reason why leia is going out is to go to planets and talk to people and go yo yeah we blew up the empire they were pretty bad right don't you guys want to be part of the new republic we're trying to like do things uh-huh. right way you know and han's kind of just like yo this is my girl i'm gonna i'm gonna go with her plus she's got my you know she's pregnant so and uh, it's very obvious that the battles uh i'm sorry i keep it no 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 no, you're good it's very it's very obvious that the battle's not over the war is not over because a lot of these they they go these planets to try to talk to these these people and a lot of these these races on these planets or these these civilizations are Mm -hmm. like hey i'm gonna stay neutral in it because i still don't know what's gonna happen i don't know who's gonna win you know there's not a lot of comp there's really not a lot of confidence in the new republic to actually you know be there and like they even tell you like these 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 species they have doubts of whether the new republic can actually protect them or respond to threats properly sure. uh, which is very presented very early in a uh, an ambush on a planet um where the the empire does kind of a, like a hit and run uh type tactic mm-hmm. and so it really kind of spooks the species and it really just kind of shakes up that trust or that that um willingness to submit themselves i want to say submit but be become a part of this new republic uh, so yeah, the war is very much not won. Like it's a ongoing. It's still going uh, on. There's moments yeah. where they say that. Like uh, Leia has moments at, at the end of the chapter. I remember she just going, "I don't know if this war will ever end." Like it always mm-hmm. feels like they're always in danger, and there's always something going on. And uh, you know, I think she's thinking more now as a parent. She's like, "Dude, I mean, you know, it's one thing having to protect myself. Like I can handle myself. Like Leia is a lot stronger." in in this story than she's ever been even though as the movies went on in the original trilogy she became a lot more independent a lot more you know uh impactful because think about a new hope she's being rescued now she's like but now she's like you know a military mind a political mind you know and now she's dealing with the force so it's it's getting pretty heavy um and so yeah, to take this idea that the Empire is still pretty much out there, even though they've talked, uh, like, how, like, they're running as, like, they don't have a lot of supplies. They don't have a lot of stormtroopers. Like, they're they're not at full strength, obviously, but they're still nope. out there doing things. And um, now that you have Thrawn, it's almost like, can they just, like, you know, not even skip a beat and just be yeah, even better? Breathe. Yeah, so I think like just bringing in someone like a military genius, villain like uh, Thrawn, then you add this, uh, you know, Sabiath, Sabiath or whatever guy, the the Jedi clone dude, and he he kind of took a backseat, like you said, but maybe that's for best because we just got done dealing with Vader and the uh, the Emperor Palpatine and all that, so maybe not giving us such a Jedi Force like villain right out the gate was a good move, and just to kind of focus on the war and um, you know set up 
for different things because then we get Mara Jade. What what did you think about Mara Jade in this? Because she becomes uh, a pretty big character in the expanded universe, I think. Yeah, I know. I mean, I know what happens with her in the, in the EU. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to get into that. Like, I just before I even started this book, uh, not because of the book, but like, um, there's a site. It's uh, it's like the Wikipedia. That's oh, what yeah. it's called. Okay, and literally anything star wars related that's canon or legends it's on there and it gives you a synopsis everything so i'd get bored some days and i would just go on that site and i'll just start clicking through hyperlinks of different things and i'll just start reading about it so i knew who mara jade was even before i started the book um right. she does become a very big character in the star wars universe um not canon anymore obviously but um the way that the book introduced her i like the character i think it was nah man better. don't lie no, no, no. I like the character at the end. Um, I thought Timothy Zahn kind of played up too much of like her, like, because she's introduced where like pretty much um, her only plot point throughout the entire um, book, book is kill Luke. I hate Luke. I Luke's hate the Luke worst. Skywalker. <laughs> it's almost like the opposite of what they did with uh, Finn and the new trilogy, where it's like in the first movie they set him up, and they're like, okay, he's this, you know, he's this force sensitive character, and then like literally the last two movies he's just running around. Yeah. Ray, yeah. and it's so, like she's such a, a hyper focused character that, and like at that 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 plot point does pay off towards the end of the book, and, and it, it it's very cool what they do with that or what Timothy Zahn does with that. But early on, she's very annoying because it's, it's like um she almost comes across as like a stereotypical like broody teenager in a yeah. sense. Um, yeah. and shut up, don't yes talk to exactly. Me. Now I'll say what's your opinion on her then uh like mara jade man i tell you like there was at least through the audiobook experience and maybe that's what really made it worse uh the way the narrator uh does mara jade when she's just like talking or interacting with luke skywalker in any way like he'll just be like really calm and be like maybe we shouldn't he'll be like shut up i don't want to hear you She's I could I could kill you at any time, Skywalker. I don't like you. It's just like, geez. And Luke's trying to kill her with kindness. Plus, you know, we have this whole foreshadowing of uh, when Luke goes to Dagobah at the beginning of the book and he has that experience yep. in the cave and he sees, which was, okay, a little sidebar. The one thing I didn't like about this book is how much it had to rely on the original trilogy. Like everything yep. was used with like, this reminded me of that time we were back at Jabba's palace. Remember that everybody reading, you know, Return of the Jedi. You know, back you know. on Cloud City. Yeah, Land you guys had already been to field troopers before, and he knows how that goes. Yeah, so remember yeah. these things that happened, and now here are some new things that are happening. So yeah, it, you know, the fact that he had this vision of what a possible future. Uh, that he or in a possible past I guess like that he was actually supposed to die because we find out that Mara Jade was actually like the emperor's hand and he was at and she was actually at Jabba's palace and was supposed to kill Luke and stuff and and that's why she's so mad she's like you took everything from me you killed the emperor ah, and it's just like uh. but I'll tell you what balances her out or just like because they're associated maybe is card like i actually really like card he's That's like my favorite character of the entire book bro i mean it's not even close yeah he's he's like i love a smuggler bro like i love how han still has that you know han solo vibe like even though it's like he's 
he went from like, I'm just in it for the money kid. Like I just, I'm, I'm here. I don't care about your, your, the force. Yeah. Yep. In the, in this like fight, I just want to make some money. Me and Chewbacca, we're just, you know, we're, we're scoundrels. Uh, but then you meet card who's just like, uh, Thrawn mentions like the thing that card is all about is information, bro. He don't like, he don't care about material things. He don't care about money and stuff like all these other smugglers. He's all about information. So I think just, Marge just comes off as that typical. I'm, 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 I'm out for revenge, and in the side as this, the clone Jedi crazy man, that guy he just comes yep. off as like a crazy old man that like knows the Force. Now, so so Card and Thrawn are some of the best new characters. They're the highlights. They're the highlights, sure. man. And their me. interactions, whenever they're both in the same scene. Those interactions are the ones that just really Ooh, like. Yes, it, you just feel the tension, and then basically, you like they're. It's like they're playing verbal chess. Yes, uh, they're they're kind of they're okay. I'm gonna move the pawn to this spot, and let me see what he does to that. And then Thrawn will respond by moving. You know, they're they're trying to draw information out of each other, and it's it's such a cool interaction that I think Zahn just. I mean, he nails it because um, whenever they're. Because whenever Thrawn comes down to the planet and they start talking to each other, like you just feel that tension. Mm. Like it's just like they both know that they're bullshitting each other, but at the same time they can't admit it, and it's just like a really cool interaction. Um, what I really like about uh, Talon Card is, um, I mean, yeah, smuggler is his game. I mean, like, but yeah, he's like an information guy. But he's he's a smuggler with a certain moral code. Not yeah. to say he's like a good guy, but like so. Um, Luke gets kidnapped, not kidnapped. They find Luke in distress. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, wow. So coincidental. He, yeah. He takes Luke prisoner. Um, and then this book's built on coincidences. Um, uh, <laughs> and Lando travel to this to go talk to, to, um, Talon card through a complete other different circumstance. And they're their guests. So like they show up, like he's providing dinner for him. He's being very cordial. Well, then the empire shows up to investigate they're trying to find luke because they know that luke can only hyper jump so far without breaking his ship because luke was trying to escape from him and so at this point mara jay is just like let's just turn han and lando over and luke oh, let's just turn them all over to grand animal thrawn yada 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 and thrawn was like no i can't do that they're our guest and he like he wasn't saying that just as like lip service like he really felt that sense of duty to them that because he had housed them as guests and at his facility that he owed it to them to protect them. Yeah. Which is cool. Uh, and Makes even though, he, yes. So he was by far, um, I, it kind of reminded me of like him and Lando are kind of cut of the same cloth mm. in a sense, um, of how Lando was set up in the original trilogy, I think, um, where he is at the end of the day, he is out to, Everything he does and every action he takes is to better his own position in the galactic game of chess. He's always trying to improve his leverage on every every possible situation, but at the same time, like he's not straight up cutthroat. He's not out here just you know assassinating people or anything like that. His his, his game is information, and just the way that he handles situations, he's got a very like, and he's not fallible, like, or he's not unfallible. Like, and they even explore that in the book where like he makes mistakes or he accidentally mm -hmm. lets a certain facial expression come across whenever he's talking to Thrawn and he knows that he's let up. Um, and he's just such a very well-developed character in such a short amount of time um, that for me, like 
I want to go like after reading this book, um, I want to finish this series and then I want to go explore and see if there's any comics based around talent card. That's how cool I thought the character was. Yeah, um, he's got a good swagger to him, dude. You know, yes. Just, yeah. Well, which, which is like Lando, like, you know, Lando dress is really cool. He's just got a yep. cool vibe to him and, and he but, knows when to cut, cut his losses too. True. Like, cause I, I mean, he has to dip out like at the end, like he has to leave everything okay. behind pretty much. Uh, but the, did they mention how Mara Jade went from being the emperor's hand to be with card? Like, why is she uh, hanging around smugglers and not like with Thrawn did. with the empire? Like, they I did. They did cover it. It it was not in the detail basically because whenever Mara mm. Jade was monologuing to Luke about why she hated him so much, she was like, "I was there at uh, at uh, uh, what's his face? Um, oh my god, why am I forgetting the?" his name uh job of the hut's palace yeah. i was there to assassinate you and you took that away from me when you he wouldn't let me go on the execution ship and so she's like monologuing to him and then so like luke asked her like well why are you working with with talon card and she's basically it, was, it really just kind of bull it was kind of glossed over but it was basically like he offered me a job because nobody else would because whenever she was the emperor's hand really only the emperor really knew about her a couple other people did but like in the book they even say like they all hint that they all thought that she was with like she was working for the emperor as basically like a, a little hussy. You know, they thought that it was the emperor's plaything. Yeah. Um, but in reality, she was a cold blooded assassin um, who I think might be force sensitive. I, I can't really, I don't know if she just got lightsaber training from him or if she's actually, force- I, don't, I don't think she is force sensitive. She seems to be really like bitter towards Luke with the force. She's like, ah, now you, now you, you, you feel like, all of us like because yeah. the big thing that Thrawn this is another big brain play by Thrawn he gets that alien species that is able to like neutralize the force yeah so like that never seems to be because I'm reading her thing it says after Palpatine's death she received her last command which was to kill Luke Skywalker however the death of her master caused her to go rogue eventually she joined smuggler chief uh, you know, and join card becoming one of his best smugglers and his second in command. So she just went rogue. I mean, it, it she just was like, you know, nah, I'm good and just left. <laughs> I mean, she, literally, she literally lives and breathes only to kill Luke Skywalker. Pretty much. Yeah. But and she it, has her opportunities at the end of the book. It doesn't take. Um, so I, I kind of want to see how it I know where it's going already. But I want to I want to see how it gets to that point. Was it annoying trying to, you know, them not. I wish they would have just mentioned what why she hated Luke sooner. And then you could have kept with the dialogue. But that was part of my annoyance with how it was written was the fact that she was just being so bitchy for no reason from a reader's perspective. You're like, okay, Mara is cool. I'm sure a lot of people hate Luke Skywalker. He literally blew up two moon full of like you know i mean imperial you know like if people forget skywalker was gonna go join the empire like wasn't he gonna go join the, the like uh leave tatooine like what wasn't wedge a tie fighter fighter uh pilot you know it was yeah, just like was. the norm right the the rebels are exactly that they were a rebellion uh so you know um, I don't know where I'm going with that, but I think it's just like the fact that the, the it was yeah. like one of those things where like the point was just like beating a dead horse. It's like, okay, yeah, you know, Zod, Thank you. we get it. She doesn't like Luke. <laughs> so 
why yeah why do you not like him obviously something happened you've been hinting at it for like 10 chapters now what is it really since she's introduced but yeah um, for like every scene that involves her like even when they first capture luke she's like i should just kill you back here yeah but, but i'm not Colin card you know mm. and like literally every opportunity she has to tell luke how much she hates him i'm mean, like i'm gonna <laughs> kill you like literally she tells him like 10 times a book like i'm gonna kill you i'm gonna kill you but never does you- um but they finally do explore in the forest like why she hates him so much um what did you think about luke um i like the i like the the arc that i mean he was i liked that it got away from he wasn't the sole focus i mean he is like a major character and he is one of the major characters in the book but he wasn't the sole main character of the story like i don't feel like he dominated the story more than any other one character um if any character had that title, it'd be I. I would argue would be Thrawn. Oh yeah, uh, Thrawn's like the main character. But from the good side, I would say it'd be Leia, then Luke, then Han, and everybody else falls into place. I mean, Luke is very much Return of the, uh, the Jedi. Luke, you know, that come yeah. cool, like yes, I'm a. I've, I've accepted. I have with the Force. I'm a Jedi. Does he do any Force? He does like force meditation battle meditation he does like a bunch of he doesn't have any new force abilities really does he no new abilities um it it explores that he's still trying to research um yeah that's why he goes to dagobah right he's like i need to find some more shit like oh we forgot to mention that ben (laughs) obi-wan kenobi makes an appearance at the very beginning of the book just to tell luke like bro this is it bro i'm done I'm out. Not going to be talking yeah. to you anymore. <laughs> like, I'm not. Uh, I can't do anything from here, so uh, I'm going to yeah. be chilling. I'm going to become one with the Force now, right, man? It seems like you guys are good, but you really are not. Because then he, like, teases, like, Luke, you're going to do some shit, and you're going to meet some people. But, like, you know, it's all about perspective. I'm out of here. Honestly, and- I really thought that scene was unneeded. I think it was, but like, think about the time that you're reading this book. If you're reading this in the nineties and you're like right after all you have were the original trilogies, you're like, Oh, like, cause where was Yoda? Like Luke is just out there with the force and no, there's no other Jedi. There's nothing going on. The only time it mentions Yoda is whenever it's like a, a, a throwback or like a, um, a recollection of like him having a conversation with Yoda. Yeah. Actually, Yoda doesn't make any like force ghost appearances or anything like that. It's just disappointing. Yeah, you yep. get this like, you know. Okay, one one point. Speaking of Yoda, the one point I did like was it tells you why Yoda ended up on Dagobah, um, because he was he knew that there had been a Sith or a Dark Jedi that was running from the New Republic or the Old Republic at the time from the Clone Wars mm-hmm. or something of that of that nature, and he had hid and created such evil on that planet that Yoda knew that by going to that planet that there was such strong evil like force or dark side force in there mm-hmm. that it would mask his presence and that's why the emperor and um and vader were never able to find yoda which i thought was really really cool um because you know, i don't think they ever really answered that in the in the main movies if i recall correctly well maybe we'll i mean i would think the obi-wan kenobi show is gonna have to like mention like where's yoda and why is he where he's at so maybe they'll pull from this as Speaking far as of motivations. There's a really awesome fan film um, on YouTube of Ben Kenobi. Just search, If you just type in Ben Kenobi fan film, pull it up, guys. It's like 15 minutes long. Definitely worth the watch. I just wanted to plug that real quick. 
do it. I, I'm going to have to watch it too. I haven't it's seen excellent, it. Man. It's excellent. Uh, can we, uh, so a cool thing that I didn't know about this book was uh, Coruscant basically came from this book. Uh, so George Lucas, when he made the prequels, used uh, Timothy Zahn using Coruscant as this capital planet of the Republic and just of the, this galaxy. So I thought that, that was really cool. that's really cool. And we do actually go to Kashyyyk, which is uh, where, you know, the Wookiees are, where Chewbacca is from. I will tell you, that's one of my least favorite parts of this book. Uh, the whole assassination. It is my least favorite point. Uh Oh. Part of the book, and it's just for the sole fact of um, <laughs> I can't even pronounce his name, but there's a basically there's they introduce a Wookiee that can speak common, and the way that they do the voice is just if you're reading the book, if you're reading the paper copy, it this point is kind of mute because it probably doesn't come across this way at all. <laughs> um, but I mean, the fact I was like, I was like, oh, cool, there's a Wookiee that can speak common, that's fucking dope, that's dope, but the way that they voice act him in the audible version was the definitely low point of the audible for me. Um, they just add all these unnecessary like prefects and postfects of like him doing these like gurgles and oh, it's so just, annoying. it's not pleasant on the ears in any shape or fashion. Like I can deal with like the Wookiee uh, growls and talking all day, but the way that they did it, like I'm not even going to try to imitate it for you guys because you'll probably turn this podcast off I, the second that I do. I just have this image of you, like at a red light, listening to this audiobook on your way to work, and it's at a part with this Wookiee talking and oh. the people looking at, at you know, <laughs> through the window at you, and you're just like, What's up? You know, and it's, oh, uh, Chewbacca, dude, you know, I don't know, man. It's, it's like you said, oh, it's terrible. Yeah. Yeah, I would be sitting in traffic, and I'd be. I really, I, I, I caught myself thinking. I'm like, man, I was like, I hope that this book doesn't stay on Kashyyyk like <laughs> very much longer. And so, like, the instant they pulled away for it, I was like, oh, thank the heavens. So uh, I, um, let me let me just preface this with Kashyyyk because there's not. I mean, there's not a lot that goes on, but the big thing is the assassination attempts on Leia or the I, kidnaps, right? Yeah, I feel like the location was more fan service than anything. From I, I Zon. agree. I agree. But but what did you think about this whole alien species that's like worshiping Darth Vader and stuff like that? I thought okay, so that's one of the that is one of the plot points that I'm really interested to see. Yeah. Go. Um, so like uh, for you guys listening in right now, uh, early on in the story, it's uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn has this like really un. Defy, I don't want to say undefined, but like this like unknown alien species that he calls the Nogri. Um, and then there's like these dark gray skinned aliens and they're like, I guess like the ultimate assassins and they are like out, like they're just really deadly assassins. They're like lizard up. dinosaur people. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, they look like little lizard people. And, um, and so this whole story, like these are the main characters that are trying to assassinate or kidnap Leia and the rest of them. Um, and so at the end of the book, you find out that their actual purpose was to to serve Darth Vader. Wasn't necessarily the Emperor or even Grand Admiral Thrawn. It was just they were in service to Vader mm -hmm. um, because Vader had, I guess, liberated them in a battle. There was like a battle between the Republic and the Empire, and I guess Vader actually went down after the battle was done, went down to the planet and won them over. And, and kind of in the same sense that a Wookiee will swear life service or life debt, they did the same thing to Vader. So after, um, 
this whole time in the book, they're trying to kidnap Leia. And so on Kashyyyk, they finally get into the room. Uh, Leia kills the first one, and the second one has the drop on her. It has her, like, dead to rights. And all of a sudden, in the book, it's like, it stops to sniff her. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, that's such a weird, like, I was just getting weird vibes from it. I was like, they sniffed her, man. I was like, that's creepy. Uh, <laughs> and so in the book, this one that doesn't assassinate her, and, like, Leia senses that he's still on the planet. And she knows, like, through the Force, that, okay, he's on the Falcon. Let me go. I want to, like, something's telling me to go talk to this alien that's been trying to kidnap me this whole time. And so they get on there, and the alien talks to her and basically says, we were swore a life debt to Vader. And they, I forget the name that they called her. It was, like, some special name that the Nogri Ooh, had. Yeah. I forgot uh, what it was called. Let me see if they, if, I'm on the wiki. Yeah. It was, like, you're the, so, it's almost like, came across as like the messiah or some crap like that oh but it's like carver baraka something it was yeah right yeah, yeah never mind i shouldn't yeah. even attempt it but basically they could sit like they could smell it they were like you're lord vader's daughter like we know that just mm -hmm. from smelling you we serve you now and, and so they it kind of ends right there like they don't not the book but that scene is basically the nogri telling her that like hey i'm here to you're you're the lord vader's daughter um we're here to serve you now. Like, I think that it were just kind of serving Thrawn by default. And so what I'm really interested to find out is Thrawn doesn't know this yet. Like, I don't think Thrawn was anticipating the Nogri crossing over. And it, it might not even, I'm interested to see if it's even a true crossover. Like if they're actually switching sides uh, to serve, to do the bidding of Leia. But I'm interested to see how that backfires on Thrawn or how he reacts to it. Because in, in this book, Thrawn's not infallible. He makes uh, certain mistakes in different battles that he doesn't anticipate and um you can really see it gets under his skin so i'm really interested to see how he reacts um to these nogri and if if somehow they like flips it on the empire and where that's gonna go because i feel like that's gonna be a, a a plot point in the second book um but i thought that was cool like the payoff like because the whole time they just really describe these aliens as like gray skin indiscriminate mm -hmm. uh you don't really figure out a lot until the very end you know the only, the only name you get is the nogri from thrawn so I thought the payoff at the very end of the book was really, really cool. And I'm really excited to see where that 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 part of the story goes. Yeah, me too, man. And I think that's what I would applaud this book as it, it, when you're reading this in 2020 or, you know, anytime other than the 90s when it came out, like there's been so much that's come out. Like we already know what's going to happen. Like you could look up. Uh, but if you were just reading these and let's just say you're watching this movie Right, because I like to think of this trilogy as like, well, what if we got this story instead oh, of what man. we got for you know from Disney? And so, what if this was actually Episode Seven, not The Force Awakens? Like, it does rely on some of the, hey, this is Star Wars. Remember all these events, and this is what this character did from that movie, and blah blah blah. But as it starts to move along, it starts to go, okay, now you've accepted. Grand Admiral Thrawn, you know, Car, these new characters, and you've accepted and been caught up to where our old characters are, and now we're going to start setting up what is about to happen. So you have like that setup with Leia. What what's that going to do? You have this like Thrawn is finally really taking control of what's left of the Empire, and he's doing a lot of slick, tricky stuff, even though. They do. He does lose at the at the end of the book, and and I'm interested because I'm already started to read the second one to see like his reaction to that defeat, 
And, I need um, to start one soon. Oh man, and I'm gonna say this right now: if you guys are listening to this episode and have interest in the audiobook, you've heard it from me and Dylan. Both of us have suggested it. It's a really great way to experience it. But um, so I thought that the special effects, the sound effects, was only for the 20th anniversary. But actually, the second one that I'm like the one that I'm listening, Dark Force Rising on uh, audible is actually filled with those sound effects too so and it's the same narrator so the same you know uh, accents and voices are, are going to be back for that one so it helps with the continuation of it and uh, i'm excited man but yeah pretty much um just thinking about what they how they did it it is safe like i think you mentioned that at the beginning of the episode it's kind of a safe at at, at the beginning they don't it's like timothy's i mean look you're you're being told like here now write what happens after this huge blockbuster mega franchise and the story and these characters these iconic characters okay now you get to decide what happens after you know uh return of the jedi like that's a yeah. lot of pressure now i have heard that george does like these books that he's actually given feedback to timothy zahn he gave him like different things, uh, you know, as far as like inspiration or what he thought and liked from each of them. Um, like like we've said, like he he used Coruscant and we see Coruscant a lot in the prequels, uh, which George would do uh, in 99, like you said, with uh, Phantom Menace. Um, mm -hmm. But, dude, I mean, if you're looking at, at a really good story, I know that these are legends. I know that this isn't technically canon. But for if you are a fan of just Star Wars in general, new, old, um, I think these are still worth your time uh, to check out. Um, and as far as some of the newer characters uh, in Thrawn, and I'm sure we left out some things. And uh, look, you guys give us feedback and we're going to at the end of this episode, give everybody listening, you know, different ways to connect or, uh, you know, give us some comments on uh, what we're talking about. Uh, either through me or uh, Deluxe Dylan here, but um, these are still worth your time to check out. These are actually really good stories. I, I mean, these are kind of iconic because of the time that they came out. This is before we got any Star Wars again, and people were really craving uh, the continuation of a lot of these characters. So, uh, but to go on to that point, I think Thrawn is up there with some of the better villains that you'll get in most stories. But, you know, I know you like Darth Maul, Dylan, and he's a pretty badass villain and the way they've used him. But this is a non-Sith force user type villain in Star Wars, which for me, I like the, the Jedi Sith force side of Star Wars more than the military rogue squadron, TIE fight, you know, that kind of stuff, even though I like it all. If I had to pick one or the other, what I really dig is the lightsabers, the the force, yeah. and all that. You know that story. It's so, what makes uh, it's what makes Star Wars unique. Exactly, man. But like, I really enjoyed Thrawn as a villain, and I think it was just like a really good approach and a fresh approach to um, to take this story, man. Um, is, is there anything that we've left out? Is there any final thoughts? Anything that you want to talk about, Dylan? Before we wrap up here shortly. Yeah, um, just a couple of things. This is just kind of like a passing thought, but man, there's sure. a. I, I have a feeling you probably felt the same way there, especially with the uh, the special effects in the 20th anniversary edition. Mm -hmm. There were certain scenes that were whenever they were playing out in the book and they were coming across Audible. I was just thinking to myself, I was like, man, I would love to see this particular scene on the big screen. Yes, uh, 
So a couple of the scenes that come to mind uh, early on, the uh, Luke Skywalker gets caught in a, uh, a tractor beam on the Imperial uh, starship. And just like the maneuver that he does to get out of it and like the whole like build up and tension to it. Like I just found myself, I was like, man, I wish I could have seen Luke do that on like, on like the actual movie. Like it would have been so sick how he did it, you know? Um, and then also the, uh, the, uh, the skip blast or the skip blaster ships, uh, skimming across the top of the, the forest, uh, treetops where, uh, Mara Jade's trying to chase down Luke. Like there's just a lot of scenes that I think like I, I, part of me, not part of me, I, I, my opinion on the new trilogy is I don't particularly care for them. I like them in the sense of um, I'm a Star Wars fanatic and I'd rather have new Star Wars than no Star Wars, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. But it um, does. I found myself, I was like, man, if they would have just took this content or this this particular book and even then they could have took whatever liberal, you know, artistic liberties that they wanted with it. But like this story would have translated so well to the big screen. I felt like mm -hmm. that it's such a missed opportunity. Um so that was just kind of some of my, my, my final thoughts on the book. Overall, like if I had to put it on a eight out of ten or a, a zero out of ten scale, I'd say an eight out of ten or eight and a half. Uh, personally, for me, um, I feel like it did a lot to add to um, like if you're just starting off with the base trilogy or the OG trilogy, I feel like it did a a substantial amount of adding to what you already knew about the Star Wars universe and built upon past uh, establishments, and it really just felt like it it was a part of it was just an, an extension of the movies. Yeah. Uh, nothing felt too out of place. And uh, I, I really enjoyed the book. I'm really looking forward to, uh, to reading the second one. And it really just exploring a lot more of the, uh, whether it be legends or uh, the official canon EU, there's a lot of stuff that I want to explore um, literature wise in the star Wars universe. Yes, dude, most definitely. These do feel like truer sequels in the sense that they're, they're closer uh, akin to the original trilogy. But this also is a, a series of stories that really couldn't have have uh, any possibility of happening. Granted, it's using, you know, unless you were to recast or do anything like that. But the fact that, you know, the new trilogy gives us a Luke that's older, you know, all these characters are a lot older because, well, the actors and actresses that play these iconic characters are older now. And, you know, at the time of writing this and, and, the thoughts of what was already existing in the Star Wars universe and, and fandom, you know, this makes a lot more sense. You know, a lot of people have that gripe about the prequels is like, you know, they kind of wish that we would have got something, you know, did we really need to go back and do that? Now, I'm, I love the prequels, but I've always felt like I wish that George would have done sequels instead. You know, let I would have mm -hmm. I would have preferred Disney make prequels because they kind of would have to lead everything to a certain point. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the new trilogy at all. I like some of the one-off standoff stuff. Um, but, you know, reading this, at least this first book, this is why it's kind of hard to judge this completely because we, it's like judging the trilogy on the first book. Like I, I'm going to be interested if the trilogy follows the similar rhyme and rhythm that most Star Wars trilogies do. You know, where does Dark Force Rising, the second book, get really dark? Like, you know, the Empire Strikes Back kind of left everybody in shambles. Like, wh what? What's going on? Where are we at? So with everything that was safe at the beginning of this book, by the end, you're like, okay, I think Timothy Zahn, this author who's extremely talented and, and has a passion, obviously, for Star Wars 
and uh, in a way with words and storytelling. And I think it, uh, you can't read this regardless of what you feel about this story to take a huge franchise like Star Wars and, and have the confidence to mess and mingle with these iconic characters and stories is, you know, you got to respect him for doing that. And um, oh, for sure, for sure. And when it comes to Dark Force Rising, I'm just excited to see what what he does with what's been set up. You know, so what is this going to all be like when we get done with the trilogy? Like, is it going to be like, what's the payoff? This is the Thrawn trilogy. This shit was lit. Like, like, I'm really, you know, or does it just kind of hit or miss? Like, ah, there's certain elements that were cool and kind of like how sometimes it just pans out where, yeah, I get the idea. How does the execution, you know, go? Um, but I will say, man, that um, it would have been interesting. I would love one day to see a live-action Grand Admiral Thrawn somehow. I think that would be so fun to watch, man. Oh, my gosh. Um, I would love to hear people's opinion in fan casting on who should play a live-action Grand Admiral Thrawn. Uh, man, I, I don't even know where to I don't even know, one. man. I, have, I just – I'm like, oh, that would be so freaking cool, man. Um, now I know in the future and there's certain things, if you've been a star Wars fan, like these came out in the early nineties. So a lot has happened, a lot of, um, books, a lot of comics. Um, and, and so I know kind of what's up ahead. So I think it's interesting to see where it is right here. Um, because yeah, I think there's Palpatine will come back. <laughs> there's going to be a lot of weird shit that happens, man. And, uh, this is already starting to kind of go in that direction, which is kind of fun. Uh, just with that clone Jedi master and his wackiness. And we know, I know that one of the twins is going to turn evil spoiler alert. Um, uh, so, so cause a lot Thanks, of, man. well, a lot, I remember I when, know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> a lot of the new trilogy does no, no matter who says it, I think it's Kathleen Kennedy. Uh, she's been quoted one time of saying like, there's no source material to work off for these new movies. Uh, mm. After reading this, I'm sorry, that is completely invalid. And I know there's plenty more yeah. evidence to back it up. Plus the the fact that Thrawn is actually in Star Wars Rebels. Um, so they took him and made him canon, which I'm kind of disappointed because we were talking about it uh, as far as like his position of power and stuff. So I, I like this idea that he was on the outer rim and then he just like took over the reins and now he is the heir to the empire. Like the book yep. is titled after grand Admiral Thrawn. This is not a Skywalker forced story, even though we have this clone Jedi who's like trying to reach out to Luke and Leia's using the force, which is pretty dope. And she's swinging lightsabers. Um, yeah, man, it would have been really interested to see, this on the big screen and um definitely oh, oh my go, apologies no go for can it man yeah uh, can i answer can i answer your fan casting question because i think I have, yes. I have two actors that okay. i have two actors that come to mind I'll, i would love to hear him go for it the first one just for like the presence he carries in every single movie um not necessarily this is not going off of looks because obviously with star wars you can change cgi or you can change <laughs> how it looks of any actor to fit how you need but uh christopher waltz i think would be Ooh. uh an interesting character Ooh. or an interesting choice just for He's a proven person that can do that kind of cold calculating character. Um, but one that I like even better than him, maybe. And this, I don't know if people would agree with this, but uh, Ben Kingsley, do you know who that is? Yes. Oh, yes. I, I think he would be a perfect, just the way, like his presence. And 
I feel like his character, I feel like he would be able to nail that type of character. Uh, um, Ooh, but, you, what about Bened Benedict Cumberbatch? Like actual, ooh, like actual yeah. Sherlock Holmes, bro. Like, you know, he's got the look and figure like Michael Fassbender. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. So like a Magneto type dude. Oh my gosh. A lot of yeah. people, there's a lot of good potential castings for that role because man, he's such a good character, man. But I don't know, maybe because of Sherlock Holmes, uh, the BBC series uh, with uh, Benedict, Doctor Strange. I, I think he just would be so good. Um, oh, I agree. Yeah, I think that would be an excellent choice, I especially because I think Theron's supposed to be a little bit younger. Yeah, um, he's not like he's not young, but he's not old. I love your your castings, though, man. I think those are both really good picks as well. I, uh, dude, it's just like that's the fun, man. That's the fun that you could have with a, a movie like this. Um, if you were to make it into something, which I don't see as being anything likely, I wish they would do something, you know, like DC does this thing where they had a rebirth and then they had the new 52. And so the new 52, one of them either way became like the animated movies. And even though they've like, kind of like said, okay, we're doing this now. I think it is rebirth. And that's kind of the universe that they're rolling with the comics right now. But the new 52 versions of like the justice league were the animated movies. I wish like uh Disney plus would take some of these legend stories. And I know the legends go back to like even old Republic stuff that you're playing on your streams and stuff, man. So yep. there's a lot of Which, books about those characters. Fantastic. Um, that's, you know what? I think that's probably going to be the next realm where Disney takes star Wars. Um, and I think, as much as I, I I hate on Disney for what they've done with this this new trilogy, um, curse you, I, Mickey Mouse. So they are about to they're they're about to start putting out books for the pre Republic era, um, and so I think with them establishing like some form of groundwork for that era of Star Wars, like this predates Kotor. Um, oh wow! Yeah, that's kind of the direction they're going. I think. With how many? I mean, obviously Disney's an infallible company. Like they're gonna be, they're gonna print money. You know, they like literally they could put out a Star Wars movie where it'd be like the starting scroll, and it could just be a picture of a pile of poop the rest of the movie, <laughs> and they'd print money. Like it would be. Don't give them any ideas, million. Dylan. Don't don't do that. But I do think that they learn from their mistakes of the the the, the way that you know, uh, what's her name? Um, Catherine. Catherine. Kennedy. I can't stand her. She. Yeah. I have thoughts about her, but anyways. <laughs> <laughs> I think that they've probably hopefully they would have learned from those mistakes. And I think because the 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 trilogy, the, the sequels was an extension of the Skywalker saga, like I just want to see them go to the pre-Republic era and kind of in the same sense of as a, I mean obviously like this is a video game one, but uh Mass Effect Andromeda. Now the actual gameplay of it was whatever, and um I never finished it, but I, I want to go back and play it. Um but it's like you've completed this perfect. I'm not saying Star Wars trilogy ended perfectly, but you completed this encompassed story that is final. It is done. You don't need to do anything else with it for better or for worse. Star Wars is such a big universe. Like just go pick out a new era, go pick out a new set of characters and just start something new for a new generation of Star Wars fans. And like, like Star Wars does not have to be done and final with the Skywalker saga. Like there's Darth Bane to explore. Um, I think even uh, Revan is technically canon now. 
Um, actually, you know, for a fact, Kevin's uh, Darth Revan is canon now. Um, I just think that there's so much more cool directions that I, I'm just the kid in me hopes that Disney does the right thing and just like they don't just let this. And I don't think they'll let Star Wars sit. It, it makes too much money to to not keep producing movies just the same way they do with uh, Marvel. But at the same time, I would hope that they would give whatever new Star Wars IPs or new Star Wars series, I hope they would give them the same attention and love as they did with all the Avenger movies. Because just imagine, like, the first Avengers came out. Not the first Avengers, but, like, the, the first, like, of the new Marvel movies came out, mm-hmm. like, 12, 13 years ago. And they built up that storyline over dozens and dozens of movies. And not all the movies were perfect, and all the movies were technically good. But the consistency of it, and just the thoughtfulness that went into all the stories and the payoff of it all was so fantastic. And I'm not the biggest Marvel fans. Like I've never been into the comics hardcore, but I love the movies. And I just, I hope that the new star Wars series, and I know we're getting a little close. We need to wrap it up, but I, I just hope that they give a lot of attention to like a new era of star Wars. Um, just cause there is so much you can explore dude. Star Wars is never ending. There's just so much you can do with it. So yeah. that's kind of my final thoughts on everything. Well, no, dude, I, I completely respect and agree with you, man. And I think this is just another reminder of what you just said, that there's so many stories to tell. There's so many characters and worlds to explore. And even though you might use something familiar and even familiar characters or familiar places, there's still fresh and new ways that you can take them. And I think that Timothy Zahn did a really good job, even though this is not like groundbreaking in storytelling. It's like you have to work with what's already pre-existing. You knew that fans were going to like dissect these books and every line. And you know, at that time, especially when they were like really wanting some star Wars, something because like other things happen. Like I remember shadow shadows of the empire. That was like a thing that's like, find Mm -hmm. out what happened between the events of empire strikes back and return of the Jedi. And it was a video game and so like there was like a lot of like hype and craving people were just craving star wars and uh then we got the prequels and now we get what we get now um but i I think you're right man i think that disney learned a lesson unfortunately it was something when they had to we had to watch take out you know play out in real time because it was like reactionary take risks play it safe it was like all the examples of everything and it just doesn't flow together. And uh, that's just my opinion. I, we've done a whole podcast on, on, you know, just Star Wars and mm-hmm. our thoughts on it. I think it was like the May the 4th special. And it's just like, yeah, I think most people, if you've gotten into Star Wars recently, though, and that's my thing, it's like I get it. And uh, if this is your Star Wars, I have always said that I remember growing up liking the prequels and thinking, ah, man, like everybody who's older Star Wars fans don't like the prequels. But I was a kid. So I get like if like people like the new trilogy, like it. I'm sure. And I I think, yeah, you feel the same way. But it's just like this reminds me of what I really wanted and what I was getting accustomed to because there's a lot of expanded universe content and stories and characters out there, man. Like they really – that's what really – probably pissed off a lot of fans is when disney was like yeah none of that shit happened sorry and it's like fans got so invested you know spent a lot yep. of money on these books on these comics these video games this and that and then for you to just say nah but we'll use it if we want to like yeah this just so thrones a good character i guess put him in rebels 
Like what? You know, yeah. so I can see both sides of the aisle. And um, but I think new old um, I would say you would want a at least watch the original trilogy, then read these. I wouldn't just read these if you have no background on Star Wars. It's a oh, little sure. it's really hard to follow. Plus, like we've said, they reference a lot of the movies like, yeah, this reminds me of that time we were back on Hoth, doesn't it? You know, you know, it's just like, mm. Okay, I know what you're talking about. Okay, I get it. Ah, I like it. I like it when movies do that. I know it gets annoying, but I like it when a movie goes, ah, remember this, huh? You know, especially like you were saying with the MCU, all the Easter eggs, all this like, ooh, mm-hmm. I know what that is. I know what that means. I know that. <laughs> oh, Dagobah, the cave. Remember that scene? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And it's good for fans. That's why I'm saying you get more out of this if you are a fan of uh, Star Wars. And if you're a new one, and you've watched all the films, I don't think that you should avoid these books just because they're not canon. I think there's a lot for you to explore, and it's fun to play around with different possibilities. I kind of like to think of this as a different timeline. Like, they do that in comic books, right? There's multiverses. So this is just a different timeline of what we've gotten from Disney. And so that works. It all works. So, yeah, definitely check out these books. They're pretty cheap if you want them brand new. I like. I prefer the old cover art uh, for them. Um, there is uh, some new ones that you can get if you get your book from, like, Books a Million, Barnes & Noble, Amazon. Amazon, it's, like, under 10 bucks for the paperback. Um, but they do have, like, the 20th anniversary edition. But I am telling you, uh, do yourself a favor and try to even listen to a sample of the audio book on audible and check that out and tell, tell us what you think, because I felt like it was really entertaining, man. Like the, the, the narration was really spot on and it just really enhanced the experience of listening and reading the story. I was kind of doing both, but I love the multitasking of listening to an audio book. And I know Dylan was like commuting back and forth, listening to this, you know? So, Uh um, yeah, so that's, that's going to be it. I think, uh, you said you gave it an eight out of 10. I'm afraid I'll, I'll, I'll say I'll say it's a seven out of ten right now, and the only reason why yeah. I give it just a little bit lower is because of some of the, uh, if some of the the setup came a little late, like you know how we mentioned uh, Mara Jade or Mar Jade, like, yeah, I wish for sure. you know things like that, which is like once it started picking up that momentum, you got me, I'm hooked, like I want to I want to finish this whole trilogy, and maybe after finishing it, I can look back on this and go ah oh okay, well this is better now. Um, so, but I give it a seven out of 10 for sure, man. Um, and the audio book, eight out of 10. How about that? Like if yes. I were just to read this, like it that would might be, have been, yeah, I would yeah. agree. I think if I did, if I had read this on paper copy, I still would, I think I would have enjoyed it very much, but I think I definitely would have been a seven out of 10 because, um, when I'm driving, I have a long commute, obviously a lot of traffic stuck in there. And uh, the sound effects did a really good job of just like taking me <laughs> to that universe. Yeah. Why are you uh, driving, like, I, dude? You're like in an X-wing. You felt like you were in the Millennium bro. Falcon, bro. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> well, it's just it's like the sound effects were movie quality almost. They were. They were. So um, that's really that good. that that's where probably where the extra point came from. I would agree. Well, Dylan, it's been fun, man. Uh, I would love to have you back on just in general. Uh, on the podcast just to talk oh, maybe a sure, winter man. talk uh, i know that you have a lot of interest besides star wars but star wars is one of your passions so much so it that is. you're streaming some star wars on your twitch channel i uh, would like to uh, before we wrap up this episode if you'd like to tell people uh once again where they can find you and what you do and then we'll we'll wrap up the show man 
you, you can find me at uh, www.twitch.tv backslash deluxe Dylan. Uh, there's no E on deluxe, so D E L U X D Y L A N. Um, I stream Star Wars related content on Fridays and Saturdays if that's your jig. Um, and then also NCAA and sports related content on Mondays and uh, our Sundays and Mondays. And currently we stream kind of oddball stuff during the middle of the week. Um, just kind of whatever we're in the mood for. And then also uh, you can find the same channel name on YouTube where I do a, uh, some Let's Play stuff. Uh, currently, I just started a Let's Play for the Outer Worlds, um, which is kind of you get some of the same vibes as Star Wars is kind of like the Wild West sci fi stuff going on. So um, feel f- feel free to come subscribe to me over there. And uh, I hope to see you guys and hear from you guys soon. Nice. Well, well put, man. I do enjoy your content like uh Everything that Dylan just said, you'll find that in the description of this episode below, plus some of his social media. I think uh, you, you got a Twitter. I know that yes. for sure. Do you have an Instagram or anything like that or just Twitter? Uh, no, I, not. Yeah, just right now it's Twitter. Uh, I'll probably be ex- expanding to Instagram eventually, but uh, just trying to focus on uh, one or two social media platforms at this point. No, perfect, dude. So I'll, I'll put all that in the description. So please, guys, check him out. I'm sure you're going to enjoy his content and look forward to seeing Deluxe Dylan uh, back on the podcast soon. Maybe we'll uh, come back for for this uh, Dark Force Rising, the second oh, yes, book sir. in the Thrawn trilogy, uh, the Star Wars expanded universe. Anyways, what, what what do you think is a good way to end this episode, man? Like a Star Wars episode. Like what would what would be a phrase that's iconic with Star Wars that you would want to like end a, a Star Wars focused episode on like what? Oh dude may the force be with you thank you for listening to Wonder Soul connect with the podcast through social media follow us on Twitter and Instagram search Wonder Soul if you enjoyed this episode please share rate and review You can find us on YouTube and Twitch. We appreciate your support. Wondersoul hopes you have yourself a good day.